Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Outtakes. I'm Lori Baker. Today's guest is Jody Mattinson. She is the subject of the documentary A Madam's Heaven and Hell. Produced by P. Frank Williams, this film tells the rags to riches drama of Jody's life from her survival of domestic abuse to becoming the owner of one of the most successful escort services. The movie is meant to explore the ins and outs of her empire, her role as a den mother to the women who work for her and to spark a discussion about how escorts are viewed in the United States and worldwide. Here is Jody's story. So you are the subject of a documentary coming up uh, called A Madam's Heaven and Hell. So uh, can you give us an idea of you know what your life experience has been uh, and what people will be seeing when they see this documentary? Um, I was raised LDS Mormon in Utah. My father was a police officer. My mother was a Mormon housewife. I was raised in a very, very strict environment and um, in an abusive environment as well. And I, uh, at 18, married a guy who was older than me, who my parents, you know, pretty much pawned off. (laughs) They basically kind of forced me to marry this guy. And he ended up being a woman beater and very, very abusive. I mean, I'm surprised I'm alive today over some of the stuff that I endured, like, with this man. And um, it was at that point that I knew I had to get out. Like, I I wasn't going to live another day. And I asked my parents if I could come home, and they said no, that I'm married now. I'm on my own. You're grown. You're on your own. No. And so I ended up in a homeless women's homeless shelter, and I had no options. I had no clean clothes. I was actually went to the shelter with no shoes on. I mean, I was literally had nothing. And it was there that I learned about working girls and escort services and whatnot. So I did what I had to do. And from there, I've successfully opened several services and have have hundreds of girls working. And, um, you know, I've lived a good life because of it, so I'm grateful. And this documentary will be covering your journey from having gone through this experience and then what your businesses are like today? Yes, exactly. The producer of this video is uh, P. Frank Williams who uh, was, is known for American Gangster. Uh, what did you think when you were approached to be the subject matter for this? I was a little bit nervous. Um, I'm a really non-judgmental type of person, and I really dislike when other people judge me for what I do. And so I kind of was like, oh, I don't know. But I was like, why not? You know, maybe it'll inspire other women to get out of abusive relationships. Um, and then also it might be nice for people to open their minds and their eyes and see that this life isn't so twisted or abnormal. You know, this business provides women to become financially secure, whether it be by her looks, brains, or body. Basically, she has an opportunity to use it as a stepping stone to better her life. 
So, I mean, it, it could be positive, but a lot of people are going to probably look at it as negative. <laughs> but I just think it's a, it's a, it's a, it can be a funny story. It can be, you know, inspiring, crazy, sexy, cool. So I think it'll definitely be a good watch. So that's what ultimately made me say, okay, let's go ahead and do it. Well, uh, you know, just to clarify, you run an escort service. What's the difference mm-hmm. between an escort and a prostitute? Well, basically, a prostitute, you know, obviously, is a person who engages in sex or sex acts for money. Um, escorts, they're girls who sell their time and companionship. Um, generally, these girls are more upscale than just like a streetwalker prostitute. Their job description is not only to be beautiful, um, very friendly, they have to carry on conversations, you know, of many subjects. They must have kindness and compassion. Um, a lot of times they actually have to be a gentleman's counselor or therapist. Um, they definitely have to be strong-minded because of dealing with so many different personalities per shift. So basically they're not being contracted out to do any sex acts. They're just basically, you know, called to provide companionship, whether it be for the hour, the night, the weekend, whatever. And how do you find uh, the women who come to work for you? Do they seek, do you seek them out? Do they seek you out? Um, both. Usually now, because I'm so well established and um, and really well known, like in this industry, a lot of times, most of the time, the girls do seek me out and ask if I'm hiring. But you know, if I see a cute girl on the street and I think she has potential to to do good for the company, then I'll approach her, give her a business card, tell her, you know, she, hey, you know, you can make a lot of money. I don't know what your situation is, but here's a card if you're interested. Call me. But yeah, usually they they call first. So, well, I'm curious. Do you like give them? Uh, I don't know, maybe tips or instructions, lessons if they're like new to it or. What we do is when I have about three or four new girls that have started around the same time, I'll have a company meeting with the lawyer, the company attorney, and he goes over all the laws and the rules And um, because that's first and foremost. I don't want anybody to break the law like if there was a sting operation. I would hate for a girl to get arrested for doing something wrong or illegal. So they, um, they're definitely schooled and educated on how to make money legally. Uh, because there are so many options what they can do legally as opposed to, you know, doing a sex act for money. So we do have the meeting with the company lawyer and then the secretaries who are all very well um, seasoned in the business. You know, most of my secretaries were escorts before they became secretaries. And they we give them pointers and basically how to be creative on their dates and how to stay safe. And, yeah, there's pretty much a little class that they have to take. Yeah, well, I imagine with staying safe, that's a, a primary concern when you're when you're dealing with this sort of business. How do you protect the women from getting physically hurt or roughed up? You know, we uh, have a system where they call in once they arrive to the gentleman's house or hotel or event, and we ask them if they feel safe, if they're comfortable. We have code words if they're not comfortable. Um, then we, what we usually do is send security out to get them, and we'll call the guy and distract him until security gets there. But there's never a 100% like safety guarantee in this business because although we do have a lot of regulars and repeat, you know, sometimes we get guys that have never used this and we don't know him from anywhere. So there's always a risk, you know. It's never we can never guarantee that she'll be 100% safe. Um, but for the most part, we ha- we haven't had any issues and it's, it's safe. 
most of these guys are not like they know that they're being monitored and watched and maybe their phone conversations are being recorded. Who knows what they know? But I, I would say, like, we don't have any, like, serial rapists or crazies calling. It's generally very, very normal men. And would you say that's uh, what the certain kind of guy that would hire an escort or? You know, there's all kinds of guys. Um, we have our hobbyists, meaning basically they do this for fun. This is pretty much what they do in their spare time. It's almost like a game to them. And those are the guys that really keep us in business. They're considered regulars. And these are actually just normal local men who may be, you know, politicians, attorneys, business owners, pretty much anything from blue to white-collared men. Um, Then we have, like, our visitors, the tourists. And these guys are usually the ones who just want a little bit of company and the privacy of this hotel room or maybe to take the girl out to dinner or, you know, out on the town as eye candy or just for some company. And you'd actually be really surprised about, like, what famous actors and athletes frequent the service when they come into town. You'd be really surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you're getting them from all over all over the place, all kinds of different guys. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of busy men that are really tied up in their careers, um, they don't have time to date, so it's easy for them to just call us to find him a match, you know, for the evening. It's just it's easy. If he has the money, you know, why not just call and, and get the girl? Well, you know, um, yeah, you were like talking the, about... Oh, I was just going to tell you about the cheating married man. And <laughs> oh, okay. It's also... There's <laughs> a lot of the clientele, and those are the guys that usually that they have different fantasies that he may want acted out, you know, whether it be fantasy role-playing, possibly him being the principal, her the schoolgirl, or even more dramatic, he may want to play the role of like a submissive man while she belittles him, spanks him, sometimes even bringing him pain, you know. And a lot of times these guys call, I think, because they are too afraid or ashamed to ask their wife to fulfill these type of fantasies. So they just call us and tell us what they're looking for. And they seem to, do they seem to mostly like know what they want when they have a clear idea of who and what they want when they call? Or do you have to interview them about that? No, absolutely. They pretty much 99% of the time know exactly what kind of girl he wants. Usually they'll go on the website and pick a girl. But then as far as personality, he'll call and say, hey, does this girl, will she, you know, wear thigh highs and, or does, is this girl outgoing or I want this girl to dominate me or whatever, you know, he'll call and discuss what her personality may be like. But they definitely have a very clear idea of what they want. Well, I imagine you get all kinds of outrageous requests. Uh, yes. <laughs> can you give us like an example of maybe one of the little crazier requests that you've received? I always think foot fetishes are a little crazy. Um, I mean, you know, of course guys want girls to have pretty feet with their toes painted or manicured nice at least. But, you know, there's several guys that want the girls to have stinky feet. Um, he prefers her to be, you know, come straight from the gym or at least be in gym shoes and socks all day long. And li- literally he will counsel on the girl like if her feet don't smell funky enough, I guess. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow. (laughs) You know, so we do get some pretty odd requests like that sometimes. Another odd request to me is where the guy wants the girl to dominate him to the point where he, like, is in pain. You know, that's that's a hard one. And I only have a couple of girls that will actually provide a service like that. 
we were talking about how some of your clients are, you know, politicians and film stars and, you know, wealthy, wealthy men. Uh, what is the most amount of money a client has paid for one of your women to fulfill his fantasy? You know, I've known guys that have ran through millions of dollars on girls, um, not, not at one particular time, but just throughout the years of them being such high spenders on a frequent basis. Um, you know, I've had a girl get $50,000 before. I've had girls get $10,000. Um, one girl the other night just got $10,000. So, it, you know, the, the money is, it's there. It's, they spend a lot, a lot of the guys. You know, a lot of them don't, though. So it goes both ways. But some girls get really lucky and get big tippers. Now, do the girls get to keep all the money, or do they have to pay a percentage? Or Yeah, they just basically pay a percentage to the – well, they pay my my fee, which is a very, very small portion. I don't get any of their tips. Um, if they want to tip out the phone girl who actually books them out, then they can they can tip her out. And that's what they generally do is tip the phone girl who provided them with the call. So, yeah, but other than that, she keeps it all. Well, have you ever had an experience where, uh, you know, some of these men that will come in, you get a little too attached to the women, uh, you know, fall in love or propose marriage or stalk them or <laughs> anything creepy like that? Oh, yeah, every day. Um, <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> I mean, you know, the girl's job description is to be sweet and sexy to the guys, no matter his color, size, occupation. So basically, a lot of the clients have never been treated so well. I mean, the girls pamper them, you know, they're really just sweet to them, and so it's easy for the guys to fall in love. I mean, I've lost a few good girls to clients. One particular client, he is um, very, very wealthy, very famous and successful film. He does children's uh, films. And he was using the service a lot. He would tip a girl about $10,000 a night. And there was one girl he saw several nights a week for years, a couple of years. And then all of a sudden, he stopped calling and she quit. And I just kind of put two and two together. I was like, okay. And then I heard through the grapevine that um, she was basically living with his family. I believe she said she was either his personal assistant or, like, the hair and makeup artist for the, for the, film, the films that he does. I don't know what her role was, but she was actually living with the wife, the kids, the family, like everybody. Wow. um, Yeah. So, yeah, (laughs) you know, the guys guys totally fall in love with the girls. That's really interesting. You know, this documentary, you know, Madam's Heaven and Hell, it it begins with chronicling the the moments of freedom for you before – you uh, w- had to be in prison for tax evasion for about three years. What? How? How was that experience? I mean, as I understand, it, you had to be separated from your children. And tell us a little bit about yes. that part. Well, honestly, I, I, to this day, feel like I didn't do anything wrong because I naively signed a tax form that was filing. It was married filing jointly, and at the time that I signed it, I was married. And, however, the year that I signed for, we weren't married. It was the year prior. And I honestly trusted my accountant. I trusted my ex-husband. And I basically just signed on the little sticky notes where they said, sign here, sign here, sign here. I didn't read anything. I just signed away. And then several years later, I got indicted. Um, I believe that the nature of the business was pretty much why 
why I got brought in on the indictment as well. Because honestly, like, it was a mistake. You know what I mean? Like, the taxes were paid that year. It was just, it was totally blown out of proportion. And I think it was because the case was out of Utah and the nature of the business. Um, being incarcerated and away from my, my kids was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. I mean, I had to turn myself in. I had to walk up to the prison gate and basically be like, here I am, you know? So it was really, really hard to be separated from my kids. I totally just had to put my faith in God, higher power. Um, I mean, I just had to just try and think positive and just try and stay focused on the positive such a negative environment and such a negative experience. You know, talking about how you feel like the, you know, that the cause of your running an escort service may have led to, you know, unfair treatment for you with, with the whole tax evasion and all. Do, I mean, do you think that you're going to continue? You're making a lot of money. You're very, very successful at what you're doing, but do you see yourself doing this in 10 years or, or, do, you, or do you really love what you're doing? You'll stay with it despite you know, what prejudices you might encounter? You know, honestly, I really do love what I do. I'm great at it, and the girls that work for me love working for me. And, I mean, I, I'm I'm successful and happy. However, you know, my kids are getting older, and um, it, it's a very stressful job. I mean, I have to deal with these girls on a daily basis. And it can be very stressful. I mean, I'm like their therapist, you know, and they're, and they're all these other guys' therapists. So I'm like taking on a lot of bullshit, really. Mm-hmm. And um, however, you know, like I said, I don't know what the future holds. I mean, I I probably will be in the industry, maybe not so hands-on. Maybe I could just do some light work and not be, you know, deal with all the daily, everyday stresses of the business. I don't know. But I do like it. I enjoy what I do, and I think that's why I am successful. Find out more information about the documentary, A Madam's Heaven and Hell, at the website, amadamsheavenandhell.com. Also, you can find out when more Outtakes interviews are coming up by following me on Twitter at Laurie's Outtakes or liking my Facebook page, Outtakes Interviews, on Blog Talk Radio. Until next time. (laughs) 